Good morning. How's everybody this morning? It's so good to see you. My wife and her sister and a friend over there, Betty, uh, they kind of pulled a fast one on me this morning, but I appreciate it. It's all about love and support. And uh, most of y'all know Tommy, we, be, we go back, go back like Cadillacs. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Some of you I've already greeted, but the ones that hadn't, I'd like to wish you a happy Father's Day. And typically, most Father's Day messages are about fathers. But we're going to go a little different direction today. And you'll see what I mean later on. Um, God's house, the church, is under attack. We just witnessed this, another, another sign of that attack last week. And if, if you will, let's, let's, let's just have a moment of silence for our brothers and sisters up in Charleston, South Carolina. We don't know them personally, but they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. So let's, let's just have a moment of silence on their behalf. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity to assemble together once again in your house. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for all of your children who've, who've, who've come to hear your word. We come, Heavenly Father, we ask that you be with the family members of those that lost their lives at Emmanuel AME Church in South Carolina. We know, Heavenly Father, that it was the work of the enemy whose main purpose is to, to, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But well, we know, Heavenly Father, that nothing happens without you knowing it. We know that you will take what he meant as evil and turn it into good. We pray for their families. And we thank you for the, for the Christian attitude that they've demonstrated to us, the attitude of forgiveness. We know, Heavenly Father, that in the end, everything will work out just the way you intended it to be. We pray that we would just keep them in our minds and in our prayers, that they will continue to hold on to your unchanging hand. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. <coughs> the church is in an attack. And the reason I say that is because in this day and age, we see it's, it's under attack because of, it's under attack based on the way God intended for the church to be. We see on a regular basis churches starting up, cropping up, all kind of weird names and weird beliefs and what have you. 
So I believe that the church is under attack. Our families are under attack. We see some that want to change the whole definition of what the family means, what the family is. God ordained the family. We see some that want to change up the family. So guys, we're going to go a little different direction today because I have a message in the message for the fathers, the mothers, and the children. And if I had to select the title, it would be Stay With The Plan. It's God's plan. Stay with the plan. Um, one of the many things I like about this church is that we have a lot of uh, sports-minded people in the congregation. Some of us still think we can ball a little bit. Did anybody see the, um, the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers, the final playoff. Yeah, y'all saw that? Now, now, I'm not a Golden State Warrior fan where I wasn't. I see Janet smiling. She must have pulling for those guys. But, I mean, they won me over. They won me over um, because of the attitude that the team had. They won me over because of some, some of the things that they were saying. I heard some of the players saying while they were interviewed, and it wasn't what they said right at the end only, but it was the whole time they were in the playoff. And they said things like they loved their brother, their fellow teammate. They talked about unity, and they talked about sacrifice. I heard several of the guys say that they, the team made a, that they, each individual player made a sacrifice for the team. That's the attitude that God intended for us to have, to make that sacrifice. Jesus set the example. He made the sacrifice for us. Our enemy will have us believe differently. He'll have us believe differently. The church and the family are both under attack by the enemy. Now, now while Paul was, we, we're gonna, our scripture is going to be coming from, uh, from Ephesians. And I'm going to jump around because there's a lot of stuff in there, so I'm going to try to highlight on certain things. Um, Paul, while he was on house arrest in Rome, waiting to go on trial before Caesar, had us in mind. So he penned this letter to the believers. He sent this letter to Ephesus and to other churches, and I believe it was intended to be right here at Cornerstone as well and all the other churches. And he talked about, um, it was a compassionate, it was a passionate view of God's love through Jesus Christ and a call for all believers to live in unity. In this letter, Paul speaks of love, sacrifice, and unity. So we have to look at one thing first. He talked to the church, believers. And then from there, he took it on to the individual families. Because so many times, we act one way in church, and then when we get home, we act a completely different way. But what Paul was saying is, if we're going to sacrifice, if we're going to be followers of Christ, if we're going to show the world what family we belong to, then it can't be just here. It has to be home, it has to be on our jobs, it has to be wherever. 
what is the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is, the ultimate purpose, I put it that way, of the church is to bring honor and glory to his head, Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the church. And I want to point out a couple of ways that the church fulfills that purpose. Number one, the church is supposed to evangelize. That was from the very beginning. What did Jesus say? Go out and make disciples of all nations. The plan hadn't changed. That's still our job, to go out and make disciples of all nations. Next, the church is supposed to edify. Each and every believer has to be built up, built up in the knowledge and what God's will is for us. We have to be built up so that we'll know that everything Christ has provided for us for Christian living. Those are the two keys. So it's only natural that the enemy is going to try to attack us from those two areas. Those are the most important. The church and our families. So we got to stick with God's plan. God, God already knew what was going to happen. So he made a plan for us. Just like the Golden State Warriors. They stuck with the plan. They stuck with the plan. They didn't give up. They stuck with the plan. It paid off. Sometimes we may want to give up. Because sometimes we have to deal with some pretty ill people. You know, even in families. On our jobs. But we got to stick with the plan. With God's plan. Now, in the beginning of the fifth chapter of Ephesians, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read what Paul said. Just, a, just a, a couple of verses to make my point. He was saying, therefore, be followers of God as dear children and walk in love. How do we walk in love? Walk is our everyday way of life. The things we do, we say, how we treat people. Walk in love. He says, Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Then Paul goes on, he lists some sins, a whole array of sins. That doesn't cover it all, but he just gave us a list. Probably would take up too much space to list them all. But he gives us a list of sins that believers are supposed to stay away from. And in verse 6, I like this. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these comes the wrath of God upon the sons or children of disobedience. So that's speaking to believers. It's not speaking to people in the world. We expect for them to act that way. But as sons and daughters of God, he said, don't be deceived. Don't let anyone sway you or say, well, it's all right, you know. I've heard people say, well, that, well, that was for back then, you know. We're living in a whole different uh, generation, a new day and all of this. Ain't nothing new under the sun. God knew all this was going to happen. He knew we was going to get off the mark. So he gave us a plan to go by. It's amazing while I'm sitting there watching the game, the little bit that I could catch, and all this stuff is running through my mind. 
And it was amazing that when Golden State, Cleveland were running away with them several times. And what would they do? What would Steve Kerr do? What would their coach do? He called a timeout. And I imagine over on the sideline, he said, guys, we're getting away from the plan. You know, we're playing their game. We can't do that. Let's get back and play our game. There was a couple of times when they were like 20 points behind. And before the game was over, they caught up one, one, I think one game they lost by one, but they were 20 points down in the fourth and caught up. I said, that's amazing. They stuck with the plan. And another thing I like about them, they, 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 there, were, there were players, I, I heard several of the players say that when, when the coach, the new coach came, there were guys that started on, the, on, the, on last year's roster. They started, he put them on the bench. Not because they wasn't good players, but he said, we could win, guys, but I need you to come off the bench. That's where you strong is at. You can help the team more by coming off the bench. The guy that got the MVP of the, of the, of the, of the whole championship series came off the bench. Last year he was a starter. And I thought, I said, now, that's what we have to do. We have to let God use us wherever he gives us the tools or the ability to contribute to his kingdom. But a lot of times we want to be the point guard and we can't even, we, we, we can't even dribble the ball, you know. We can't do that. We have to stick with God's plan. He gives us the gifts, use them to his glory. Paul talks about that. He said, what we, whatever we do, we do it to the glory of God. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about making disciples of nations by being obedient to God's plan and sticking to his plan. Um, verse 15, briefly, he talked about the conduct of the church. That's where he starts. He says, see then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And then, 18, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul says, this is the way to live in the abundant life. We get into the family now. He transitions from the church, from addressing the body, the, the body and the building, the church, all of us as a family of God, to our individual families. He says, the last word he gives us before he kind of concentrates on the family is he said, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I have to admit, back when I was young in the day, I used to hear that term, be filled with the Spirit. And honestly, and I know some of you, because my wife probably feel that way, I know, and both of her sisters, and I mean, when I, when, when, when I used to hear that term, be filled with the Spirit, I would, I was in an impression that when a person was filled with the Spirit, they just acted weird, you know. They, they acted weird. They, they, they said stuff that I didn't believe. I mean, not believe. They said stuff that I didn't understand. I didn't know what they were talking about. And they were turning over chairs and running around and all of this stuff. But as I got older, I'm saying, how is this edifying the body? How is this building me up? How is this building up my brothers and sisters? You know? Talk to me in a language I understand, you know? And I've heard people say, well, you know, they're talking to God. Well, God understands English, you know? So we could talk to him that way. The Bible even addresses that. It's kind of showboating your abilities or, or your talents. 
using to the glory of God, not selfish glory. So when he says be filled with the Spirit, he's not talking about none of that. What he's saying is be filled with the Spirit because that's what it's going to take in order for you to live this life that I'm suggesting that God is commanding, requiring us to live. You're going to have to be filled with the Spirit. And it doesn't mean that every day you walk around like a monk, you know, like you got a whole lot of the weight of the world on your shoulder. We can laugh and joke. We can have fun. We can enjoy life. We can do things. But when it comes down to telling others, the world, the reason for your hope, for my hope, that's the opportunity to talk about Jesus and let it be seen in our family, in our whole family environment, the way we treat one another. Back and, 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 and the, the older... Like in the, in the Old Testament, I'll put it that way. It was, it was times when, when, when God's people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was filled for a certain purpose that God needed them to or wanted them to accomplish. They were filled. And that doesn't mean that, and, and there were times when they were filled and filled and filled repeatedly. And it doesn't mean that when you feel or when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit that I'm getting more of the Holy Spirit. So because I'm getting all these feelings, I got more Holy Spirit than you. It doesn't mean that. See, that's the, that's, that's the enemy. Every time I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, Ken, the question is, the question isn't whether I have more of the Holy Spirit. But the question is, does the Holy Spirit have more of me to do what God intended for me to do? That's the question. So when he fills me with the Holy Spirit, I know how to treat others. Now, stick with the plan. God has a plan for the church, for us. Christ is the head of the church. We are the body. We know this is a building. This is where we come and assemble ourselves to worship and praise God. We honor and we give him glory. That's what it's all about. So Paul says now, that's what we do as a body in Christ. But what about what we do when we're at home? See, God doesn't have to do anything. What are my responsibilities when I'm away from the church? What are my responsibilities to my family? And I'm telling you, if you want to start a fight between Christian folks, this verse right here, verse 22, I want you all to look at it because I'm trying to tell you. I can see Captain now looking at her eyes kind of crazy. Listen to what it says. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. <laughs> For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, I ain't talking about the husband the Savior of the body. I'm talking about Christ. Christ is the Savior of this body right here, the church. That, that he is capital. If we were talking about us guys, it'll be 
wouldn't be a big engine. It wouldn't be capitalized. But what it's saying is marriage is symbolic of the church. That's how we honor the head of the church. That's how we glorify the head of the church. He's the head of the church. We're the body. We're united. We have to abide in the head, in the branch, the branch. Don't abide in the vine or, or vice versa. It's, it's going to be, it's a separation. The branches will die. This verse right here, I tell you, it's, it's widely argued. Now, now, when we leave here today, we're going to say, man, I never knew that. Because before I started studying this, I didn't know it. Submit doesn't mean we're we are superior and our wives are inferior. It doesn't mean we are smarter. Oh, that, amen. It doesn't mean we are smarter. It doesn't mean the wives are weaker. Submit means, the Greek word for submit is, it's a tongue twist, it's upico. That's the Greek word for it. You know what it means? To yield, to surrender. That's what it means, to yield. Yield, the Greek word for yield is peristeme. And you know what it means? Stand by. That's all right, isn't it? It means to stand by. Who, who was that song? That song was it? Dolly Parton. Who was it? Stand by your man. Who was that? Who was? It? Oh, did she redo it or whoever? Dolly or so I, I've heard her singing. I put it that way. Loretta Lynn. See, Loretta was on to something, wasn't she? She knew something. <laughs> stand by. Yeah, yeah. Stand by that. Okay, I, I knew Dawn would know it. You know. Yeah. Stand by. That's what it means. But see, this is what Satan would do. This is what Satan would do. This how, this how, that's why I say the, the, the family, as God intended for it to be, is under attack. Satan would take it and he'd twist the whole thing around. Well, he, he, he ain't the boss over you, you know. He don't care you what to do. You got your own job. You make your own money. That's how he does it. You remember what he told Eve in Genesis 3? As God said, you can't eat from all the trees in the garden. Like as if he had an issue with it. Like he was looking out for her. I can't believe God told you that. That's what he, really, that's the way he worded it. She said, no. He didn't say we, can eat, we, we couldn't eat from, from, from all the trees in the garden. He said we can eat from all the trees except the tree of life. The day we eat of it, we'll surely die. Now, you will not surely die. But God knows the day that you eat of it, then you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Your eyes will be open. He's been trying that same, he been, that's the same tactic from then. He's still using it, but in different ways. His job is to divide us by whatever means necessary because he knows that in unity there's strength. All we have to do is stick to the plan. We stick to the plan. And he says, submit to your own husband. As, as, also, as, as also Christ 
is head of the church. The husband is the savior of the body. He says that for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. In other words, and he goes on down. Let, let me read this right here. Husband, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. What did Christ do for the church? He died for the church. That's how much we're supposed to love our wives. He died for the church. When you love a person that much, a good person, a God-fearing person, even with flaws, you win them over. Or we should. You know, you know I heard someone says that, you know, I hear people say, and, and, and I've, I catch myself saying it, so now I'm, 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 I'm kind of working on looking at it in a different way. I've heard people say, well, yeah, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm thankful. I thank God every day. And, and you know, we, sometimes we just say things to say it. But I heard someone say it once said, you could tell an ungrateful person because they're always complaining about stuff they don't have instead of thanking God for the things that they do have. Y'all heard what I'm saying? So see, whatever's going up here, that's, that's, that's how I'm going to conduct myself. That's how I'm going to act. Regardless of what I say, whatever is going on up here and right here, that's how I'm going to conduct myself. So we need to make sure we practice thanking God for what we do have. And when he get ready, he'll give us something else when we're ready to handle it. But that's the enemy. That's the enemy trying to, trying to persuade us to walk away from the plan. Every now and then, we need to call a timeout. Say, look, we're playing the enemy's game. We got to back up and go back and stick with the plan. God knows what it takes to have that abundant life. And when he's talking about the abundant life, he's talking about the life now and the one most importantly, eternally, when we get in his presence. Amen. Another thing I want to point out, and I thought about this when he said, uh, wives submit to your own husband. What did Jesus tell his disciples when they were arguing about who was going to be the man when they get in heaven, you know? You know, who was going to be the greatest? He didn't say nothing. He got up, went and took his outer garment off, put his apron on, and started washing their feet. Humility. That's how he wants us to be. He's talking to believers, you know. Believers shouldn't want to get the glory. We should want to give the glory to God. And the way we give that glory to him is the way we conduct ourselves. So, guys, we are supposed to love our wives the way Christ loved the church. Um, and the family, the wives, this, the husband has a role to play. Because the husband and wife is a team. They're one team. They should be in unity. When one wins, the other wins. And the children win. That's Satan's main purpose, is to divide. Divide and conquer. That's what he wants to do. He hates to see us glorify God. He hates that. The wives have a place or a responsibility on the team. The husband has a responsibility. And the children has a responsibility on the team. You have a role to play. 
Have you ever thought about our bodies? And, and Christ, God's word pictures the church as a body with every part playing a role. Every one of us has a role, has a responsibility. And the role of being part of the body of Christ. We have a responsibility. And you know, I thought that, I thought about the fact that our bodies, our physical bodies, have you ever thought about nothing that we have on our body is there just to be there? Everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. It's not there just to look good, although some of us may think that, you know. <laughs> it's there for a purpose, to serve, so that the body will function. That's the way it is in the family. Every member of our immediate family is there for a purpose, to help the body function smoothly. I like the fact that he didn't exclude anybody. He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and may live long, and you may live long on the earth. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. That's your responsibility. I see some smiles there. Did you know, young folk, that in Romans, I believe it's 1 and 30, you can go back and read it. To disobey, to be disobedient to your parents is a sin. It's a sin. It says it in Romans. And when he's talking about uh, obey your parents and the Lord and honor your father and your mother. Respect them. Have that attitude, I want to please my parents because this is pleasing to God. That's the attitude we need to have. That's the attitude we need to have. It's not about what our friends are doing and what they say to their mom and dad and all of that. See, they're not sticking to the plan. That's a command with a promise. To the fathers, the mothers, and the children. Keep in mind that when it comes to the plan, when it comes to God's word, if the command is kept, the promise can be claimed. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Now, now, now if, 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 if we're not keeping the command... Don't just think that we're going to be in on, on receiving the promises. I heard folks say, you know, yeah, you know, these other churches or somebody that just like to, you know, throw stuff out there, they, they, that naming and claiming ministry. You know, you pray about it, you ask God for it because he wants you to have all this and all that, so you go and you put your hands on your naming and claiming. With that attitude, you'll be bankrupt. All your stuff will be gone. But with the attitude that God wants us to Display. Keep the command. He said he'll give us the desires of our heart. When we keep the command, we're going to be wise about it now. We're going to be a good steward. That's what he's saying. If we keep the command, if the command is kept, 
the promise can be claimed. And we may not have it today, but you can believe that we will have it. We'll have it. So children, obey your parents and the Lord. I heard uh, a minister say, and, and, and this, this is just encouragement. This is edification for all of us. Because we all have, still have growing to do. Until we, and until we God calls us home, we're going to still have growing we need to do. But, but I heard a guy said, um, I think it was Tony Evans. He said that his older brother was a wrestler. And Tony Evans is a pretty good-sized fella. He said his older brother was a wrestler, and he was, I mean, he was, he was like Jeffrey. He would, you know, you would want to just give up when your match first starts, you know. But his, his older brother was a wrestler, and he was the man at their school. I mean, he was, he was, and all of a sudden, he got full of himself. I mean, he just got full of himself, and he thought the world, the sun rose and, and set on him, and he was, you know, he was just, running over with himself. And he got to the point where he didn't want to obey what his father was telling him. Dad told him to take out the trash. He said, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it because I don't have to do it. He got full of himself. So his dad said, well, you got a choice. You can take out the trash or you can get your own place. You can move out. Good, I'll move out. His dad didn't wait for him to get his stuff back. He went and got the suitcase for him. Put his stuff in it. And didn't put it to his bedroom, though. He took it to the door. The entry door of the house. The exit and entry door. And set it outside. And full of himself still, he just walked on out. Grabbed his suitcase and left. Didn't have no job. No kind of training. Didn't have no money. And they lived in the north. It was cold. So after he was out there a while, I guess, and he thought about it, I kind of thought about the prodigal son. After he was out there a while, three, four hours, he came back. Daddy, what you said you wanted me to do? <laughs> That's what the enemy does. That's what the enemy does. I always joke my wife about this, and I tell you, their dad, he was a real father. He taught all his kids how to work. If you was in that household, you were working. I mean, you had a responsibility. I don't care what it was. He'd never been in the military, but he knew what the duty roster was. He had everybody. He had a bunch of kids. So, I mean, hey, yeah, you're not going to fly on the radar. And he, he, he would always say this. Came but two grown folk live in the house. That was his favorite saying. So that means mother and father calling the shots. If you live here, if you're not paying the bills, you can't call in the shots. And these kids grew up to be responsible, working adults. That's what the word is talking about. It says that we, 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 we need to train our our children. That's what Proverbs tell us. Train them in the way that they should go. Last, and, 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 and I'm going to close, verse, verse uh, 4, verse 4 and the 6th chapter, it also talks about 
our responsibility as fathers. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, I know, I know, I know that a lot of young folks, we feel, I mean, y'all feel, that when I say we, I mean, we've been there. We've been there, young folks. We felt that, well, you know, uh, our parents are being unfair and, you, and, and you know, you're too demanding and you're too this and you're too that. When the words say, provoke not your children to anger, it means you constantly, you constantly own them by one thing or another. You constantly own them. You constantly own them. It don't mean it's 10 o'clock, get up and take out the trash. That's not provoking them. That's not provoking them. Help wash the dishes, you know, do the yard. Now, now, the enemy will have you believe, well, I'm always doing this, I'm always doing that, young folks. But parents, their job is to train you to be obedient. If we can't be obedient to parents, we can't be obedient to God. That's where we get most of our training from, from home. It's a tragedy, but I've seen folks, not this hearing about it, I've seen it with my own eyes. Couples in the church, I guess if you push all the pews out the way, they, they will go at it. That upset, that much, that, that blinded, that much of allowing Satan to use them. They were disrespectful to one another at the church. I can only imagine what it was like at home. So see, that's what Satan does to us. He blinds us. If we don't stick with God's plan, then we won't get the victory. Our, 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 we won't have the victory at home. We won't have it as a body of Christ. We won't have it. All he wants to do is kind of get in. Let's get a little crack. That's why Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. Because we don't fight against flesh and blood. principalities and powers, darkness in high places. That's the enemy behind it. In Roman, Paul says, <coughs> behavior does not determine blessings. Behavior does not determine blessings. Instead, blessings should determine our behavior. Y'all feel blessed this morning? Do everybody feel blessed? Blessings should determine our behavior. If we're blessed, then we ought to say, well, Lord, I thank you, mean it here, and mean it when we leave here. Call the time out and say we got to get back to the plan. It's, it's not about who calling the shots. Because we know when it comes down to it, we know who's calling the shots. In a Christian home, this is what Paul suggests. And there are times when it's a, it's, it's kind of like the politicians, you know, what, what they call it, uh, when, can't, can't nobody, when it's a deadlock or whatever. That's why they can't get nothing done. They're always talking about who, who you know, who playing is best and this and that. That's what happened, a mess. But a Christian family, when you can't agree on something, nobody has to, has to just say, well, I'm the man of the house. We're going to do it this way. We don't have to do it that way, guys. We can say, well, what we say. 
But let's go to God about it. Let's let him answer it for us. Since we're a team, let's let him answer it for us. It's going to affect both of us. That's how a Christian family does it. And I guarantee you, God will answer every time. Paul says, no, not Paul, but Peter. Peter says that, this is, this is on us, guys. Peter said that if we don't love our wives, our prayers won't be answered. Now, women, don't use that against us now. Don't, don't, you know. <laughs> but that's what he said. Read it. Read it. That lets you know how united God intended for the family to be. Now, <clears throat> this is Father's Day. And we want all the fathers to just have a wonderful time. I know our wives and our children are going to just treat us with royalty today. Going to let us know how special we are. But it shouldn't, and it's, it's good, it's good that our wives are recognized, our mothers on Mother's Day. And, and I thought about this, Sam, that, you know, now they have Children's Day. When did they come up with that? They have Children's Day. Yeah, they have, they have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but see, but see, it, it, what is, what is, like, no, it's it's uh, take your children to work day. That's what I was trying to think of. Take your children to work. I told my wife, I said that ain't nothing new. My parents been taking me to work ever since I was big enough to remember. I grew up on a farm, you know. <laughs> but it, it, it's good to do that. It's good to do. It's good to do that because it develops fellowship and 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 show our children appreciation. And, and, and all of that, but it, it's all about sticking to God's plan. And, you know, we, we have, I, I have to take my hat off to some of the fathers that we have here in the church this morning. We have some tremendous fathers. And my hat's off to you. I know that there are times when you feel maybe that you, you're kind of standing in the gap, trying to hold, trying to stick to God's plan. There's some mothers that are standing in the gap, trying to hold it down, trying to stick to God's plan. And it might, be, it might even be some children that are standing in the gap, you know, trying to stick to God's plan. God's words say, well, just let me put it this way. Don't, don't don't worry. Don't worry. Keep doing what you're doing. Because God's words say that we shouldn't grow weary in well-doing. Because in due season, we will reap if we faint not. I thank you all for your attention this morning. I hope the word has benefited each and every one of you. As always, if the church can be of help, if we can pray for you, if we can pray for a family member, whatever, if you like to, you can come. And here at Cornerstone, you're always welcome. You know, we are praying, church, here. Thank you. I stand. <laughs> we find-